Welcome to the Growth Pod Cast, growing together through curious conversations. Today, I am looking forward to getting curious with Phil Jones, MBE. Phil is the Managing Director of Brother UK, an information, communication and technology business supplying products and services to hundreds of thousands of UK enterprises. Under his leadership, Brother UK have recently been named a Times Top 100 Place to Work, an Investors in People Platinum Workplace, CIO Technology Business of the Year, and PC Pro Printer Vendor of the Year, in amongst a raft of other product awards. Phil has been granted Fellow Status of the Institute of Directors and Companion of the Chartered Institute of Management for his work around leadership and business growth. He was awarded an MBE for Services to Business in the Queen's Birthday Honours List 2016. So today I'm really excited to have Phil with us. I'm pleased to welcome Phil, so thank you so much for joining us. Emma, you're, you're too kind. Thank you very much. So Phil, at the Growth Pod, we're really interested in growing people, leaders and organisations to be the best that they can be. It's our belief that in order to make that happen, we must put well-being at the heart So with that in mind, we would be really interested in understanding and hearing about how you have shaped the resilience of your staff during these really difficult times. It's a really good question. And I think for all of us, we probably don't have the playbook that we're pulling straight off the shelf on this one. We're really having to take the temperature of um, the scenario that we're in almost sort of every day uh, to then understand what we think our our strategy should be that's around communications around care and compassion so um, you know as a leader of the business the one thing that I think you, you, you always have to do you obviously have to have a technical competency to run a business of course you do otherwise you it's highly unlikely you'll probably make it to the position of being the, the overall uh, managing director but I, I'm really very keen also to that we really draw on emotional intelligence um, as much as possible particularly during these times there's kind of two things you've got to do really what one is to have the competency to to keep the business moving and the other one is actually i think also the compassion to look after your people and to make sure that they're all okay because uh, i'm i've always been uh, a firm believer in the idea that really that that the more you put in the more you understand your people then the better your strategy will fundamentally be executed in the long term it's so wonderful to hear um, a leader talking about care and compassion and emotional intelligence. It's one of the things that we're really interested in in the growth pod. And people often think about those elements of being really soft skills, but those soft skills are the things that really move us forward. So you were talking about how you are using that information um, to and, and to know your people to really mm. develop your communication strategy. So what does that look like? What's your communication uh, strategy look like at this time? I've really tried to make sure that our communications are, are number one, um, consistent, that actually we are communicating regularly. And I'm hearing from lots of different people who work for lots of different companies that the one thing that, 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 that probably is standing out is they're probably not getting regular enough communication from the leadership in the business. And um, I, I'm completely the opposite to that. We, we 
really been communicating every single day to our people using multiple different platforms actually i mean of course the most common platform that everybody on that everyone understands is is email so each day we prepare a daily email briefing for our people but what's the most important bit in that is the feedback loop that goes into the preparation of that email so i can just quickly deconstruct that for you that you know what goes on behind the scenes well all the informal sources of information are being drawn upon. So whether that be people who are asking questions of our organizational development area, um, people are just asking informal questions of the leaders and other leaders in the business. And what we're doing is we're consolidating that information each day and uh, the directors uh, meet each morning uh, at half past nine and we just quickly work through what we believe uh, in a temperature check way what are the hot issues that, that we're hearing most regularly, the questions that are being asked of people? Um, so it could be the day after a government briefing where they may, might have come up with some new sensational <laughs> uh, you know, statistic or, or new instruction that, that what our people want to instantly know is, is what does that mean to me? What should I do tomorrow morning? So we, we each day take all that information and then make sure that we construct our communication each day in order that it's highly relevant. That way when people are receiving their information that they've got a high propensity to read it because the information content is, is really good and it answers the questions that we believe um, everybody has on the sort of the edge of their lips. And we've heard from our people that actually that's one of the, the things that has kept them going through all of this is the contact from the company has the right frequency and the right content and also the right tone. And each of the comms that go out actually, uh, believe it or not, they, look, they come to me each day and I have a look through it and I just make sure that, that I'm kind of putting the, the compassion around it and just making sure that we're framing those communications so they're not just sort of coming across as cold and you know a piece of cold communication from the company that just tells you what this or that but actually to really sort of humanize that and uh, I was listening to a, uh, a webinar actually by Gary Hamill um, obviously one of the world's greatest thinkers about a book that he's recently uh, launched called Humanocracy and that's really about you know organizations ditching bureaucracy and becoming more human in the way that they operate within their cultures and that I thought you know what I, that, that's kind of maybe beginning to describe what my aspiration is for our own business is to really be very human in the way that we operate and so therefore when those communications go out I just want them to make sure that there isn't too much business talk not too much corporate vernacular but actually that the words that we're choosing um, really are appropriate for the time and the temperature of what's going on with our people in the wider scenario of covid and um, in any single moment that's incredible so making sure that the communication that you're sending every day is consistent mm. so you talked about making sure that that's done daily and using relevant language that the frequency is right for your staff and that the content and tone make sure that it really humanizes um, so that people can connect with it and how are your people connecting with the messages that you're sending out what kind of engagement are you getting from them oh that they're just it's just brilliant um, I mean I, re I can recall actually that um, 
one particular uh, other thing that we do around communication, Emma, is that uh, on Friday um, at 11.30, we have uh, the company chat. And in that company chat, uh, for the first 15 or 20 minutes, what I'll do is I'll jump on the camera from my home office and I'll talk about some of the things that are on my mind, um, things that I'm worried about, things I'm concerned about, and really just sort of really be able to speak to people directly um, to everybody in the company to just sort of say, look, this is where I think we're at. This is what I believe. This is how I am interpreting all the various information points that I receive. And I can remember uh, only two, three weeks ago being on the, on the web camera then. And, and I really, I got quite emotional um, because I was talking about the, the future and, and I was slightly worried about the future. I was worried about um, demand. I was worried about, it looks like mass redundancies on the horizon, you know, recession, and it being a very challenging time for people. And it's, it's very interesting because literally I was inundated by uh, by emails from my colleagues. We've got 172 people in the business, that, just to get, make that a reference point for people. Um, and, and within two hours, I, I'd received 100, over 100 emails from my colleagues wow. individually saying, we're with you. And, and what we saw you go through there for us means we know you're there for us. And even though the times may be tough that are ahead, we much appreciate that that you're telling us the truth and and we can see it's the truth because it's not constructed and it's real and we could see the emotions that you were going through on the camera explaining it to us and i think for many people for leaders and particularly maybe male leaders of a certain age of which i'm definitely one uh, that can always you know you always have that no no this is about strong decisive you know action orientation uh, you know leading from the bridge type leadership and my own view is is it, it's absolutely not that it, it's completely the opposite in my view it's a time for honesty it's a time for transparency it's a time for truth um, and it's a time to really get in touch with what's going on with ourselves as human beings because of course we're all being individually touched by our individual stories and how how this crisis is impacting us and i think also people need to realize that when you lead a company you, you know you too are, are going through your own experience of corona and and what it means to your family um, but at the same time my job is also that i've got to care for those people i've got the pastoral duty to not only um, care for them but every decision that i make also impacts their families and they've all got individual situations that they're dealing with. So, you know, my, my view would be that actually, you know, really, really getting in touch with, um, with yourself and uh, explaining to people what, what you're going through, whilst at the same time having to run your company, um, I believe is a very powerful tool to underline uh, leadership in your organisation. So starting with self, leading from your own perspective in terms of how, how, how you lead, that's, that's really powerful stuff as well. And there are so many leaders, as you say, that I think are worried about showing emotion. For some time, it's almost been deemed as um, a negative element to show your emotional intelligence, to show that care and compassion and that kindness. And actually just to see that incredible response that you got from 
you know, all of your staff around um, how much that impacted being genuine and open and honest. What kind of lessons can we take from that that we can actually still continue to embed into the future when we move into this new working process that it's going to look like? Well, I was very interested in this uh, this humanocracy um, idea that Gary Hammerwood was having because what he was really talking about there, and maybe I think Tom Peters really talks about this a lot in in his book, The Excellence Dividend. You know that the excellence really, I think, begins with people, and um, however brilliant your organizational strategy, you can have the best organizational strategy ever and and, and still fail <laughs> if people are not connected to it or mm. giving the discretionary effort. Uh, that you need in order to get that well executed. And I think during this, um, you know, these last 12 weeks or 14 weeks that we've all been been living together as a shared experience, that one thing that, that I, I'm definitely hearing loud and clear is, is that probably organisations have never been flatter, that organisational communication has, has, has never probably been, for those that are practising it well, easier. Um, drop-in conversations on instant message are really, really easy when you've got the right applications that are, that are in play. So, so for me, this sort of directness of communication, of, of eradicating lay, organizational layers of communication um, is probably one really good thing that should come out of it. And the other thing that I hear a lot from people is, is maybe the last sort of eight to 10 weeks is beginning to really teach people what, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human that suddenly all of the usual things that occupy our time, the distractions and the, 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 the very, very quick nature of the, uh, the world that we seem to have built up for ourselves, compared to suddenly the lives we got shoved into, which was none of that and uh, less things to do and time and capacity on our, on our hands, but then a disconnection from loved ones. And I think for many people, it, it's allowed them to sort of, really begin to examine well well actually in this sort of construct that I had before called my life what was serving me and what was not and here I am now and what is serving me and what is not and it's very clear to people that things like the commute probably doesn't really serve me brilliantly well it does for some because they might listen to podcasts or read a book but for many it's like life in the grind right and they want to change that they, they're experiencing longer and more meaningful and deeper relationships with family members which may have been fast-paced and often slightly quick and disconnected previously becoming deeper more meaningful having longer conversations so so suddenly these things that are impacting us individually we're walking back through company doors with that feeling that that, that, that maybe those new habits that that slightly changed self and then saying I'm, I don't really perhaps want to go back to what was and actually how can I now keep that moving about what is and what could be and I think it's incumbent on us all uh, as people that lead organizations to uh, to understand that to have situational awareness that there's this sort of change going on and there's a sort of mood change and a sentiment change and we've got to be aware of it and also to think about what the lessons are for our companies around flexible working, having more meaningful work, more meaningful conversations, flatter and faster probably will be some of the outputs that we'll gain. And how do you think we might be able to keep hold of those really good ideas that we might be coming up with and this 
this new meaning that we might be working towards in terms of what being human is and how we can put these people first cultures in place what kind of ideas can you think of that we can hold on to that so we can actually take it forward in our businesses as we move into this new world i think maybe uh, one thing that i've always having done a few sort of talks on this sort of stuff around culture and 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 how was it we sort of created the culture that we created is is that actually culture really, um, I heard somebody say brilliantly the other day, I think it was John Amici, um, the former NBA basketball player, now turned psychologist. And he said, you know, that your culture is simply the aggregation of the small decisions that happen in your organization every single day, because it's those small decisions that really determine what you allow and what you don't allow. And I thought, God, that's, that's a really good description of, uh, mm -hmm. of culture. And maybe what we ought to um, be doing is having positive inquiry now for for people as we bring them back to organizations and there is this sort of coming back that we now have on our cards don't we We have this sort of slightly foggy roadmap that says well you know the government believe that there is some missed clearing and there's a date for this and a date for that and a date for the other but actually you know, what are the conversations that we now need to have that says well look how have you changed through this and what what do you now want from work for, for it to create the meaning um, for you after the last 10 to 12 weeks. And that will probably take some courage because there, there will be um, a great emphasis and a great pressure to build the, 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 the economic scale of the business back up to what was right. Everyone's going to be far too busy in the numbers and what can we get from the quarter and how can we get trade moving, tills ringing. And that's totally understandable because we, we need to get the economy moving. I get that. And so many livelihoods depend on the economy working again. But what we must not forget is there's this deeper conversation that needs to happen as people come back to now say, what do you think needs to change about the way that we operate, the way the business operates? or the way that you want to operate within the business. And that wider conversation, I think my, my, my real insight is, is actually is to just not let that conversation um, disappear in the, the pressure and the timescale of getting the economics moving. So it's kind of how do we do the economics and also think about how we can build a more meaningful business of this. And piece of research a couple of years ago where um, there's a huge study in America, a couple of hundred thousand employees, something like 3,000 organizations. And what they were trying to look for was actually, well, you know, what is the right kind of um, balance for an organization nowadays based upon the fact that people are wanting more purpose in their lives? And and I, I know it myself because we, we, we are We've got a large sales organization actually you know we're 170 odd people but 50 of those people are salespeople. so there's a lot of achievement orientated people in the organization so so not everybody just wants to come to work you know in in a uh, in a in a charity other people want to you know have feel that sense of achievement orientation in their life so actually they concluded that the sort of the middle ground um, for all of this really was um, a private uh, enterprise um, with purpose so if you can find that middle ground of you know being a, a private enterprise that's that is orientated towards achievement so people do feel they can come in get things done and and, and deliver perhaps the economic things that they want for their life build a bigger house better car whatever that might be that they want 
What they also want is somewhere within that to also know that the, the entity itself um, is also doing good at a bigger level. So not tokenism, but actually having a more deep-rooted DNA that, that they were doing the right things. And some years ago at our place, it was for me, it was always about coding our culture and making sure that, for example, compassion, which we could see all around the business in the acts that were being um, undertaken every day, acts of goodwill for each other, that if ever we had um, an, a significant event, for example, so, so for example, if, if a colleague lost a, a family member through, um, through death, or indeed they'd had um, you know, serious illness like cancer, I just saw that our company was pulling together all the time for each other. And I thought this company has a compassion gene in it. And we coded that and just made sure that we made it explicit. And then also made sure that decisions that we make at a, a leadership level um, get referenced back to that. So, you know, moving forward, I guess we've just got to uh, box all of this experience up. Don't put it in a dark room. Keep it on your desk with a big note on it that says open maybe in six weeks time. Once you've got over the immediate um, requirements to get back to work and to get the business working um, at the right levels. We really do need to make sure that we hold on to that good stuff. We are very interested in something called appreciative inquiry. We talked about positive inquiry and appreciative inquiry is about moving from problems into possibilities and mm. using that kind of heliotropic effect to help people to continue to move forward and, and move towards the light so actually by creating those really amazing cultures um, and coding those cultures, as you talked about, and keeping that positive conversation going, you, um, you've spoken to us before, um, Phil, around some of the, the incredible things that you actually do every day to really show the things that you were talking about there in relation to valuing people at an individual level in your organization that really makes it feel like it is very human. Can you just share some of those with us? We have a few uh, things that we do, which, uh, you know, just are important to me. So we, um, for example, if anyone suffers a loss in the organization and I, I you know, at a family level, um, let's say someone's lost their mum or lost their dad, then, then I'll always make sure that um, a letter of sympathy goes out from the company to that individual's home, uh, letting them know that we're thinking about them. Um, and those small uh, small things mean big things to people. They really do. The amount, the amount of people who who genuinely, you know, after they might have come back to work after a, a period of bereavement leaves, uh, are often very touched by those small thoughts. And um, so things like that, I, I think, are very very important. Obviously, I, I mark all all the major birthdays for people: twenty ones, thirties, forties, fifties. We we mark. Um, all long service anniversaries, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, uh, 35. Today, actually, for one of my colleagues, we, we make sure we pay attention to that. Um, if an apprentice is doing particularly well, I drop a, a letter to their mum and dad. And uh, I, I tell their mum and dad how well they're doing at, at work and how proud they should be as parents of, um, of, of their son or daughter, because sometimes they're overlooked. Um, that, that actually they might have done a brilliant job parenting and, and they don't get to see their son or to be so in this right the way to then they cards Christmas cards we give vouchers to the our employees kids at Christmas if they're under 12 um, a number of different things really which I, I, I just I just learned from experience that it's 
if you keep these things moving, what you, where they go wrong is if you start them and stop them. And uh, these are things that I thought were quite easy to do. Look, you know, we know what everyone's birthday is every year. Um, we've got their, their records. So, okay. But I, the, the trick is, is actually is systemizing some of these things. So, so now the birthdays, for example, are easily done. We have a personalized birthday card made for the company. Somebody um, goes through the birthdays each month for me. I batch process them once a month. So I just get a pile of cards on my desk. It says the name of the individual and if, particularly if there's a special birthday and, and I just handwrite each card. And because I know almost everyone in the company by first name, then I, I just take some time to do that. And so rather than just printing it on a printer, you know, your name, best wishes, Phil, I'll, I'll handwrite all those cards each, uh, each year. So everybody gets that personalized and everyone would get the same for Christmas. And it's like, well, it just, it just builds goodwill with people. And what they realize is, is that when you, when you can write an individualized message to that individual, what they then realize is it's not sort of corporate tokenism. It's actually, um, it, it's nice to be acknowledged and it's nice to get a, a, a quick note from the ND to say, you know, happy birthday here. It's a great milestone, you know, then put a, put in brackets, whatever their current birthday is less 10 years, obviously uh, <laughs> happy birthday. And I'm thinking of you things like that um, go a long way. And I've seen over the years just companies invest huge sums of money in, in consultancy to try and help them fix uh, a culture, for example. And for me, it just starts with the basic things. Just right, okay, who are you? How are we valuing you? Let's make this a personal experience as much as we possibly can and let's build our internal community on that basis where everyone feels a sense uh, that they are valued within our company um, by, by by the individual at the top and they are you know as you say such powerful things for people you know but actually really simple things sometimes the really simple basic things are the things that mean the most you talked a lot um, before about purpose Phil in terms of um, you know people's purposes are changing you know, we've had some real time at home to just reflect. We've been able to get off the treadmill and some of those habits that we've been very much used to being in whilst being at work have been disrupted to such a massive extent that it's really made us think about our purpose. So I'd love to know what your purpose as a leader is. My, my personal purpose actually is to um, inspire the potential in millions of others. That's an amazing purpose. Yeah, that, and that's it. Um, it, it. I think maybe when you get a little older, you you go through this journey of trying to figure out who you are. I think lots of people could identify with that, that, you know, at their 40s or their 50s, sort of having that, well, who am I and what's it all about kind of uh, moment. And having had that myself, uh, one thing that I became very clear on was that I, I needed to be very clear on what my own personal purpose was and my, my vision, my mission, my values and my principles and to code all of those things. And then to make sure that I'm living them in order that I can be, you know, congruent as a per as an individual and as a leader, and and with that congruency ultimately leading to, uh, you know, that that fantastic moment where you've got that alacrity, that happy state of readiness, where you're sort of able to kind of live, live with real purpose. So that was that was a real uh, breakthrough moment for me was was figuring that out, and then what it quickly realised. 
I realized was that it actually made, I was very closely aligned to what we were trying to do within the company, which was um, to, to make people and businesses more successful more quickly through our technology. So, you know, the technology we provide should help to grow businesses. And, and when businesses grow, hopefully people can grow and grow incomes, grow as individuals, create better outcomes for themselves. So, so those two things were sort of holistically linked in a sort of an infinity symbol where I had personal on one side and business on the other. So um, the good news for that is I, I think I'm in the right place. It sounds like uh, you've got that nailed. Well-being is something that we're very interested in here at the Growth Pod as well. What does well-being mean to you and how do you bring that into your workplace? Yeah, tricky one, Matt, because it's, it's, it's a really quite a big topic, but I'll try and articulate it from my perspective. And that is, is that making sure that you understand that every single person that walks through your door every day, um, that it's their life and you are just a part of it. Kind of once you get your head around that, that actually that they're not 100%, you know, motivated every single day to deliver everything that, that, that your business wants because they're being influenced by lots of other things, right? What's going on in their personal life, cognitive distortions, self-image, um, pressures, everything that, that's going on in somebody's life. The fact that somebody might be being trolled on social media, it could be anything um, that that walks through your door every day. And what you've got to understand is, is how do I draw out the best from that individual on the basis that, that we've got, you know, this work to be done or this strategy to, to execute, whatever that might be. So well-being, I think, is where you find that nice tipping point of those two things, where somebody feels able to do their best work within your workplace um, with everything that's going on uh, at that at the time in their life. And, and that can go through, obviously, from physical well-being right the way through to, uh, to mental well-being. Um, so I'm, I'm a qualified mental health first aider. We, we have uh, another 15 of us in our business. And that, for example, has been viewed incredibly positive by our community. Um, when we announced we're going to do mental health, uh, introduce mental health first aiders, we asked for volunteers from the company if anyone would like to volunteer to be one. And um, half the company volunteered. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It was quite something. We were overwhelmed. We were like, wow, half the company. That's incredible. Uh, stepped forward and said, yeah, I'm prepared to do that for my colleagues. I'm like, great. But I think that signaling that by doing that course myself uh, also meant that, again, it, it underlines the fact that people believe that, again, it's not just a corporate initiative, but actually it, it's a meaningful initiative which, which my, I, I myself are being involved in and driving and are passionate about and, and want to bring into our thinking. So I think you know, well-being for me is, is not just you know, bringing fruit to the office, putting a pool table in and, and, and you know, window dressing, frankly, well-being. It, I think it just starts with the self in, in us having a full understanding of who you are as a human being um, and how you think and what's affecting you outside of work in order that we can create um, the necessary support structures for you to um, to keep coming and to do your best work. Yeah, such a great holistic view. 
In terms of the feedback loop that you've been getting from your communications, mm. are there any issues around um, anxiety or well-being about people moving back into the workspace that you have uncovered? Yes, Emma, there, there is. And I think that it's very important that, that leaders of all businesses pay attention to this. Um, that there is anxiety around uh, that. I mean, it goes right the way from parents worried uh, that, that, you know, they, they, they've got kids at home and they're worried that we might call them back to the company like immediately. And the care resources that they normally rely on, for example, uh, a mother or a father, you know, the grandparents are not available to be their usual resource because they might be shielding. Mm. And so they then worry that there's going to be an economic impact to them that actually suddenly, well, how do I solve that? And I've got this dilemma that, that if I'm called back, I might not be able to come back because I've got no childcare. So what am I going to do? So that creates, creates some anxiety. I think there's anxiety um, that people are feeling and worry around whether uh, you know, companies going to restructure because the uh, the economic outlook's not looking great, and so they're worried for their job. That they may be worried that and have anxiety that that the the workplace might not be COVID safe for them, and they might still you know come into contact with people that might cause them um, to have COVID, and therefore um, to trigger that cycle of um, of fear and worry. Um, around what that those implications might be for them so I think there are a lot of um, you know worries and anxieties and the key thing is, is is back to this feedback loop we spoke about earlier you should be tackling those things now you should already be on the front foot of those things and explaining um, you know that you're either thinking about it or you're already decided what your outcome might be etc and a good example I can give you would be that already um, I run my own dashboard around uh, infection rates and uh, death rates in the UK. And, and we've set our own number about when we feel comfortable that we want to bring the company back, not when the government tells us. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I've already articulated that to, to my colleagues to say, look, well, you know, the daily infection rate needs to be 500 or less and the daily death rate needs to be 75 or less. When it's that, I think we can better consider uh, repopulating the workplace back to the, the levels that we might have had before. And people have got clarity then. People mm. have got absolute clarity and they can look at the numbers uh, themselves on the internet uh, to know where we're at every day without me having to tell them. Um, I've been over communicating uh, the work we're doing to make the building COVID secure, you know, shared lots of pictures on the Friday briefing call around the perspex screenings with uh, screens we put in the fogging units the labeling that we put in the building flow um, the deep clean all of these things I've communicated it really clearly to people um, that actually again I would not call them back until that building is COVID secure and articulated what our policy will be around schools and coming back to work etc so you, you're effectively trying to head off at the pass people's anxiety before it begins to build and that's only if you're listening if you listen and you've got informal channels of, of gaining this information you can come back to this idea of making your communications relevant to people the fact that you've got that feedback loop in place enables you to be able to gain you know that that rich picture from your staff so that you can put 
those brilliant um, processes in place to try and reduce and ease that anxiety around well-being. So Phil, are you ready for our finishing round, which is planting the final seeds for growth? Got it. Okay. So at the Growth Pod, we're interested in active learning. And for us, active learning is a deeper level of learning, which is activated in the workplace to change behaviours, which enables growth and development. So with that in mind, what one thing can our listeners do today to activate a piece of knowledge that you've shared with us? For me, I would say the one thing is to have a situational awareness of self at all times. And that is uh, that you should be able to wake up each day um, and think about, um, ask yourself the question, how am I? So if you can answer that question yourself of, I might be feeling pressure, I've got a high workload, I'm, I've got stress, or I, uh, you know, I fell out with my wife last night because we had a silly row and it's playing on my mind, or I feel overcommitted, or whatever that might be. Once you know what's, what's influencing you and how that affects your behavior and your mood and your action and your output and your decision making, you begin to be able to walk in the shoes of others very effectively. So when you can self-audit self and have a greater understanding of self, I believe you develop a greater understanding of others. When you get that understanding, you'll begin to build a great business. Brilliant. So making sure that people think about how they are, making sure that they really think about that self-leadership and being conscious and aware of how they're feeling that day as they navigate through the mess and the magic that we're all experiencing right now. Absolutely. Your ability to make great decisions is absolutely all about where you are in any given moment in terms of your congruency and what's influencing you. And so many people move through their day without consciously thinking about how they're feeling and actually even being able to just name the emotions that they might be experiencing at any, any given time. Absolutely right. And I use a small self-audit tool, which is just simply a spider chart. And I label 10 categories on it from things like love, money, um, feeling loved, giving love, uh, wellness, etc. So you just go around and label them yourself and just put a simple scoring mechanism of, um, you know, one would be um, I'm not feeling great about this. Two would be I'm feeling okay about things. And three would be is I'm feeling ecstatic about this particular point. And just go around that spider chart each day. And, uh, you know, you ideally, of course, if, you, if life is just wonderful, you'd be two on everything, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, things are working great. But, you know, guess what, everybody? This is life that we're playing. And normally you're going to find there's something on there if you're honest with yourself uh, that may be influencing you. And when you have consciousness of that, you can at least then decide whether that is going to have an influencing factor on any key decision that you need to make that day. And you can get loads of those um, spider charts and ideas if you just Google them. Um, they'll be definitely one to download. It's a great practice to get into every single day. So at the Growth Pod, Phil, Wellbeing is embedded at the core of our business. Can you share one practice that you engage in that enhances or maintains your own well-being? Yes, I ride about 10,000 miles a year on a bicycle. <laughs> wow, that sounds impressive. Yes, I mean, I, I, I'm a great believer uh, that the idea is, is that you, know, you, you have got to have interests outside of work to stir your soul. 
um, you know, stir your soul away from your, your work and, and that enriches you as a person, which actually makes you a better person generally around this idea of congruency. So um, I rediscovered cycling in, uh, in 2008. And uh, what I began to realize was, was that particularly as I, I, I was appointed MD in 2013 and I realized I had to, you know, the pressures and the stresses that were on me were very different from just being the sales director where, you know, the pressures were mostly number orientated and delivery of, an, of results, you know, having suddenly then moving and shifting and having the responsibility of, uh, of everyone's livelihoods on, on your desk every day about the decisions that you make. I realized that you needed to have an outlet. And what I found was, was that riding a bike um, was, was not only an outlet for me, uh, it allowed me to just, just defrag uh, my thinking I got a lot of clarity around problems because I was suddenly giving myself time and space to think more clearly. Yeah. Uh, clearly, I was getting physical benefit from that. And of course, then um, other benefit mentally from that, including, you know, of course, the release of dopamine and all of the, the happy feelings that you'll get about, about being in nature and, uh, and just coming back and making me feel great. So um, there's something that I, I use when under load. It's a, it's a quick mnemonic that I use called my desk policy, which I'll just share with you all. And that means when you're under a lot of load, focus on three out of the four, thing, four things on this list, diet, exercise, sleep, and kindness to self. And kindness to self just means giving yourself a break and, and not realizing you've got to be in hyperdrive all the time to be effective. Um, you know, effectiveness and output is all about um, giving yourself that time and space to think about things and to make great decisions. So exercise is one of the key components of, uh, of my ability to be grounded. Sounds wonderful. And finally, Phil, do you have a poem or inspiring quote that you can share with us? Yes. I'd just like to share a quick uh, verse from Mahatma Gandhi, which, which always uh, resonated with me. Um, Carefully watch your thoughts for they become your words. Manage and watch your words, for they will become your actions. Consider and judge your actions, for they have become your habits. Acknowledge and watch your habits, for they shall become your values. And understand and embrace your values, for they become your destiny. Wow, there's so much in there. I love those kind of inspiring quotes and poems. Um, but just to unpick those in more detail and really think about them um, you know, to a deeper level can be, can be really interesting as well. So one that I'm going to be definitely going back to and thinking in more detail about. So thank you so much for sharing that one with us. And Phil, if we want to find out more about you, where could we do that? Yeah, I'm pretty uh, active on social media. So probably Twitter's the best place if you want to, uh, to, to, just, you know, to, to find me. And that's at philjones40, just the numbers four zero. Uh, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I, I, I write quite a lot of articles on LinkedIn, just thoughts and, and, and things that come to mind, learnings about running a large business, which um, I think would benefit other people. So please feel free to, uh, to find me there if you've got any further questions or, or discuss that you want. Phil, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much, Emma. This Curious Conversation was brought to you by GrowthPod, creating positive pathways to change. For more information about how GrowthPod can support your people, leaders or organisation through training or coaching, visit our website www.growth-pod.co.uk.